Welcome to the Audacity Church Podcast. We pray that you are blessed by what you hear today. We love to hear stories of what God is doing in people's lives. Take some time to share your story of how God is working in your life and email us at amen at loveservego.com. Now prepare your heart to hear from God today. Welcome to week four of Love and War. If you have your Bibles, turn them to Mark chapter 10, or if you have an app, I'm okay with that. Turn to Mark chapter 10. You know, the thought behind this series is that all is fair in love and war, and uh, I hope that I've established over the last few weeks that that's not entirely true. That we do need to have some kind of rules of engagement. We need to have some boundaries set uh, when we're talking about love and war. And before we dive in, um, um, the song that we just heard is called Unconditional, Unconditionally uh, by Katy Perry. And there is some, there is some stuff in that song that is so, um, it's eye-opening. But this is what I, before we dive in today, I want to clarify one thing. And when it comes to the unconditional, unconditionally love of Jesus, that's the only place that you'll find it. It's really hard to reciprocate unconditional love until that relationship is where it needs to be. It's almost impossible. It's because we are fallen men and fallen women and we live in the midst of our flesh and we have um, this flesh that's always trying to get its way. And so today, my goal is to give you five keys to how to be in an unconditional, unconditionally loving relationship. So let's stand to our feet and honor the reading of God's Word. We're going to start in Mark chapter 10. Some people asked Jesus a question in verse 3, and that's where we're going to pick this up. Is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife? And he, speaking of Jesus, answered them, What did Moses command you? They said, Moses allowed a man to write a certificate of divorce and to send her away. And Jesus said to them, because of your hardness of heart, he wrote wrote you this commandment. But from the beginning of creation, God made them male and female. Therefore, a man will leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. Whatever, therefore, God has joined together... Let no man separate. Jesus, we love you. We pray that you would just uh, allow us to learn what you want us to learn today. Uh, Father, I pray that uh, you would move mightily in the hearts of people that are not in a right relationship with you, and that they would realize that apart from a relationship with Jesus, it is impossible for them to understand or reciprocate unconditional, unconditionally loving uh, in, in any relationship. I pray that you would just give me boldness and uh, allow me to uh, speak and communicate in love and grace and truth. And we ask this in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. So the last three weeks, here's what we've learned. You can check the podcast out later. We've learned how to dream together and what to do if our marriage has kind of dried up. We've learned to endure the poison to get to the wine in any relationship. We've also learned last week how to say something in the art of communication And my goal has been able to communicate these things in a way that you can apply them in any relationship that you have. Today, I'm going to take a slight twist on that and really just focus on what does a healthy 
unconditional loving marriage look like? So I, I hope that you give me that grace. For those of you that are single, I pray that you would just take some notes, write some things down so that you can apply them to your life. I want to explain to you as we get into today that today is about a choice. And it's a choice that you have to make for yourself. It's not a choice that anyone can make for you. You have to choose to love unconditionally. And to be honest, it's a hard choice. It's a hard choice to do what I'm going to explain to you and hopefully share with you um, on how to do, uh, how to love unconditionally. There's a line in that song that says, there's no fear, let go and just be free. I will love you. I will love you unconditionally. Take your bad days with your good days. There's almost marriage vows in there. I mean, she almost preaches the gospel to one in one sentence there. This is what I want to explain to you today, to the best of my ability, that the person that you married, isn't going to be the same person that you married. I was 21 years old. The greatest con that I ever pulled, and I pulled many, was talking to 19-year-old Ashley Renee Horn into eloping and marrying me in Las Vegas. Hashtag killing it. I mean, it was, uh, <clears throat> it was, uh, it was the smartest thing I've ever done. I am not the same man. I was a boy then. I am not the same man. At 36 years old, after 15 years of marriage, as I was at 21 years old. There's no, I, I'm not. I ain't going to be the same guy at 40, 45, 50. I'm not. And so I think we have to come to this point where we are just committed to knowing, hey, they're going to grow, I'm going to grow, some things are going to change. I told you last week, your beau, when he took you out on week one, he exhausted every question that he was ever going to ask any girl. As of week two on your second date or a couple of days later, he was like, he was trying to be creative and come up with questions because he didn't have anything else left to say. He just didn't. And so the guy that you married or the gal that you married isn't the same person. And here's what happens. They become an idol in your life and your life evolves around them. And I'll just tell you this, your spouse needs to be second. Everybody say second. Jesus needs to be first. And I am comfortable in that relationship with Ashley. I realize that her quality time spending alone, studying the Word of God and praying is much more important than hanging out with me and me hitting on her and, you know, flirting with her. And, you know, sometimes I talk about the kids and what we want to do in life, but mainly it's all flirting and hitting on her. I mean, and her time with Jesus is so much more important than anything that I can give to her. And she's just as comfortable knowing that she is second. And we have to get there. So I'm going to open today with something. I'm going to drop some knowledge on you because some of you probably do not know this. And some of you, uh, especially you younger types, you're going to be like, I think pastor's crazy. I'm going to Google this as soon as I get home. So please do because uh, this is absolutely fascinating to me. I'm going to talk to you. I'm going to tell you guys this for weeks. I've had to hold it back. I'm going to talk to you about a little drug called love. So before I can give you some practical applications on how to love unconditionally, I want to explain to you what happens in your mental capacity. This little drug, if you like to write things down, is called limerence, L-I-M-E-R-E-N-C-E. It is called limerence. Now, in the 1970s is when this study started to happen in this drug that was released as a chemical in your brain. The effects of it started to be studied. 
this drug, when it's released, it starts to give you an obsessive feeling. You have this desperate need for the feelings that you're having for this other person to be reciprocated to you. You're, you it's called love struck. It's called puppy love. Some of you have been there. This drug, limerence, it affects your appetite. It affects your sleeping patterns. And it's released as a chemical in your brain. The, the best way to describe how this love that's released, this chemical in your brain, limerence, is its obsessive compulsive disorder of love. It's all you think about. It's how you process everything. And the more tragic news <laughs> is that limerence, it wears off, but it also overrides another chemical in your brain that helps you make wise decisions. It does. Some of you have been there. Some of you have done desperate things because you were in love and this feeling clouded your mind. And that guy that smells like dirt now was all that you could think about before you went to sleep at night and when you woke up in the morning. And that girl, remember when you would send her flowers because she was always on your mind and you wrote her notes and you haven't wrote her a note in a decade? I mean, you do these things, it's because of this chemical called limerence that's released in your brain. I want to establish that for a more important reason. Um, we have a couple teenagers in the house. Um, This drug wears off. The reason that God put us man and women together and the reason that He wants you in a committed relationship is because the drug wears off. According to the study at University so-and-so, I don't remember, I think it started with an M. I didn't write it down. Sorry. Google it later. According to the study, it takes limerence between 18 and 36 months to wear off. So here's what happens. You may have been with your boyfriend and you think it's okay because you guys are madly in love. In 18 to 36 months, you guys say this, well, we just fell out of love with each other. No, you didn't. The drug wore off. That's what happened. See, limerence is a scary thing because I believe God in all His wisdom, He set it together so that we would do things His way so that we wouldn't be misguided by this drug that's overtaking your thinking. See, the reason that this scares me is because I can tell you of the numerous people that I counsel, the numerous people that I would consider newlyweds sit down with me between year three and year four, almost all of them. Ashley and I almost got a divorce 12 years ago. 12 years ago, we almost called it quits. Why? Because limerence wore off. That's what happens. So now I've equipped you with that knowledge. What you have to realize is you have to protect yourself and say, okay, I'm in this relationship and I believe that it's love, but is it love or is it limerence? Is it love or is it idolatry? Because I'm allowing this person to define who I am instead of allowing Jesus to define who I am. There's a drug called love. The actual name of it is called limerence. And I want you to know that it affects every relationship that we're in. Because what happens is about 18 to 36 months, 
this is how you feel. I just don't love them anymore. So I quit. I don't love them anymore. They're not the same person. They aren't probably exactly the same, but they're, they're who you fell in love with. And I also think it's designed by God's goodness and His graciousness for men because every one of you in this room are knuckleheads and everybody at the sound of my voice is a knucklehead. And so God gives you about three years to fool this woman into thinking that you really have it together. And then she wakes up because the drug wore off and she's like, oh my gosh, wish he would shower. Or does Thea, why doesn't he wear clean clothes? It's on the floor. If it's not in the laundry, I mean, count it as clean. I mean, and he gives us this period of grace to love each other. He gives us this period of grace so that we can bestow love towards each other. But the drug wears off. It wears off. I tried to do, I, I didn't try, I did some research to see if there was anything to reinitiate the limerence. And there's not. There's not. The only way limerence will ever re in your brain again is when you move on to another relationship. I can't even fathom why that's even there. I can't even fathom why a good and gracious God and a part of His design would allow us to ever have that again. Let me tell you why. Because some of you already used up your limerence. And some of you find yourself in singleness or in divorce, and you're like, okay, what do I do now? This is what I want to promise you. God's going to reinitiate that limerent sometime, and some other dude is going to sucker you. <laughs> and you're going to fall in love all over again. So there is hope. There is hope. But what I need you to know today is before I even dive on, and I've probably spent too much time on this, is that. There is a drug, it is called limerence, it is released in your brain, and you have to know that. You have to know that year three, you don't fall out of love. Year four, you don't fall out of love. The drug wore off. I'm going to give you five things. Everybody say five things. things. I'm going to give them as quickly as I can that you need to do to keep your relationship unconditional, unconditionally loving. You know, in... um, God's intentions for us have always been for us to be united. And what happens is He's making you one. There's been there's some serious, crazy science out there about how you and your spouse, via intimacy, become one. And whenever you tear something apart that has been one, it's never going to be the same. And often, it is um, damaged forever. The only way that when something's been torn apart, it can be re-glued together, if you will, is through the grace of Jesus. He restores you back to who you were, and He helps you get through these broken lives that we might have created on our own. Key number one is speak life. Everybody say, speak life. life. This is in James chapter 3. But no human can tame the tongue. It is the restless evil full of deadly poison. With it we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. Proverbs chapter 18, death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. You have the power to destroy or create the life around you. You do. What, when you speak, but this is how you, this is, this is something, let me just tell you how I'm doing it. 
This is just me. I could be such a better father. I, 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 you know what? I, I fell, Ashley, and I could. I need to. I need to be a, a better husband. Man, I don't. I don't know if I figure. If I really even have this pastoring thing figured out. Really, I mean, I thought I knew what I was doing, but each day it gets harder, and I'm trying to figure out who do I put where and how do I put people in the right places. And I, and then what I do is I, I wake up in the environment that I'm in is a guy that's not a good enough dad, not a good enough husband, still trying to figure out who a pastor is, and no one has said anything to me. I've created those words, and I've created this, this perception on reality. Instead of saying, my kids know that I love them unconditionally. My job is to serve Ashley, and I try to do that to the best of my ability. And I am growing as a pastor. I am studying, and I am learning. You know, my approach and my view is completely different depending on the words that I speak. This is how we do it in our marriages. He never picks up after himself. He is incapable of unloading the dishwasher. He, you know what? If he would just rinse a plate off. You know what? He said that he would already be promoted and we'd be making more money and here we are just barely scraping by. You know what? She never shows me affection. Never. I chase her down. I flirt with her all the time and she never reciprocates it. I need to find that somewhere else. Speak life. Your words will shape everything about you. Now listen. When the bank account is like, you know, $300 in the negative because, you know, some bill went out or whatever, I'm not telling you to be like, oh, go out and start spending money like you have money. That's not what I mean. I want you to be wise. But your relationship will be built by the words that you choose to use. You know, Nash and I, uh, what we have done is uh, we live on almost, it's like about 80% cash, okay? That's what we do. We just take everything out of the bank whenever we're paid. We pay some bills online. And everything else we put in envelopes. Now, the reason we do that is because we wanted to become better stewards, right? And um, so uh, we got rid of credit cards. We did all these things. And this is how Ashley and I speak now. Hey, we are good stewards. We are faithful with our tithe. We do what we're supposed to do. We give where we're supposed to give. You know what? We, go, uh, we shop secondhand stores before we shop new stores. That we speak life around our finances. I'm telling you, you've got to speak life into your marriage and into your relationships. It's the same with your boss. He's worthless. He's always hard on me. You know what? I hate getting up on, you know, that's why more people commit suicide on Monday than any other day of the week is because they've built this life with their words. Speak life. You have the power with your tongue to create your experience, at least your perception on it. At least your perception on it. Number do, number two, do, whatever. That was maybe in German. Number two, endure hardship. Everybody say endure hardship. Romans 8, 28 says, And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to His purpose. 1 Corinthians 10 says, No temptation has overtaken you. That is not common demand. God is faithful, and He will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, He will also provide a way of escape that you may be able to endure it. Now I know when He picked you up, He was clean-shaven, 
showered. He wore probably the only pair of clean underwear and socks that he had. He also might have even pressed his jeans and ironed his shirt. And uh, how we do that is we just throw it in the dryer, usually with a wet washcloth. Um, And then uh, he sprayed some cologne on him, his smell goodness. And I know that he combed his hair, right? And he created this image of Prince Charming and everything was going to be beautiful. And then you got married and you realize that he does not have the ability to lift up or down the toilet seat. It's just a, let me just, a side note, this is definitely not spirit-filled, but uh, it's just as easy to put the toilet lid down as it is up. I'm just for the record. Matter of fact, it's easier to put it down with your foot. Just try it and uh, don't make it an argument at home. We are going to go through trials. You're going to hit some rough patches whether it's because of finances or because of smelly kids or because of a, a tough boss or because the economy falls out, falls out of, a, of an investment that you just knew was going to be great. I made that mistake. And you, um, you, you have this life that you have to choose to endure. You have to choose that I'm going to get through this life no matter what. Choose to endure. Number three is reignite passion. This is one of my favorite verses in the Bible. When I tell people this, they just look at me like I'm crazy because it has nothing to do with grace. It has nothing to do with mercy or sanctification. Right here, Exodus chapter 20, uh, verse 7. And when a man is there that hath betrothed a wife and hath taken her, let him go and return into his house, lest he die in the battle and another man take her. You guys want to know why it's my favorite verse? Let me tell you why. Because God is all about you being in a good relationship with your spouse. So these are men that are called out to war. And this is what the Bible says. Hey, if a man just got married, let him go home. Now listen, I, some, it, that's not just to plant a vineyard. I know there's a verse that says that that's not at all what he was going home for. Okay? God is so passionate about reigniting your marriage. Reignite. The, how you do it is through dating. You have to date. You have to be intentional. You have to do this. Listen, ladies, um, I know he needs to, I'm I'm helping him out. I know he needs to do this more often, more often than birthday, Valentine's Day, uh, your anniversary, if he remembers, and then his birthday, right? I know that you guys need to be dated, it's a good word, more than four times a year, okay? But there is nothing wrong with surprising him and saying, hey, Friday night, don't make plans. I have something going on. Some of your men just want to be pursued. And it's because you surround them with romance novels and um, movies that are like uh, romantic comedies, right? And you're waiting for like the pretty woman limousine scene. Did I just date myself? And... uh, you're waiting for him to be out of the top of the... Listen, that's probably going to happen. Men, you need to date your wives. You have to find alone time where you can just date. Let me, let me, this is more than just watching something in front of the television. Like, you're like well, you, you know what? I watched two weeks' notice with her on Netflix last week. That, that doesn't count. You slept through half of it anyway. That doesn't count. 
I want you to be creative and reignite passion. And it is a continual process of reigniting it. It's not just, it doesn't just happen once. Number whatever we're on. Number four, value intimacy. God intended for your marriage to be filled with intimacy. Song of Solomon, there's a whole book of the Bible that devoted, but I love that says, I am my beloved's lover, and my beloved lover is mine. 1 Corinthians 7 says, the husband should fulfill his wife's sexual needs, and the wife should fulfill her husband's needs. The wife gives authority over her body to her husband, and the husband gives authority over his body to his wife. Do not deprive each other of sexual relations unless you both agree to refrain from sexual intimacy for a limited time so that you yourselves can be more completely to prayer. Afterward, you should come together again so that Satan won't be able to tempt you because of your lack of self-control. Some of you women have been praying and fasting for a long time. I get it. You're being real spiritual and you're like, honey, listen, it's just prayer and fasting and so we're going to take a break. I'm really being spiritual right now, and so just pray with me. Pray with me. Uh, some of uh, you ladies are in marriage relationships, and you are more prude than you were in high school. Um, and um, I don't know if I, I didn't. I, that's twice this year I've said that. I probably shouldn't. Uh, Ashley's not in here. She's my governor. And so sometimes I can look at her and know I shouldn't say certain things. Um, this is so vital to your marriage relationship. It is vital. It is vital. You have to value intimacy. What happens is um, we just get tired. We get exhausted. Life takes its toll on you. I get it. You've been working all day. You came home. You got dinner ready. You helped put the kids to bed. All you want to do is read a book and go to sleep reading the book. I get it. Men, you need to find out. We talked about it last week. You need to find out what fills her love tank so you can figure out what she, how she needs to be, uh, how she needs to feel loved. What happens is we get in this relationship and it's complicated and then we just, we, we stop. You have to place a value on it. I know that I was joking about praying and fasting, but some of you have had a headache since like 1985 and you really need to do something about it. You do. You need to, you need to choose. You need to choose to value intimacy. And here's, this is the flip side of the coin. Men, like, well, I don't really need to date her. I don't need to buy her flowers. I got her. I got her. She ain't going nowhere. My best impersonation of I don't know who. I have no idea. And you ladies are like this. Well, we're married. He should have expected that. No, we didn't. At all. Not at all, we thought. You have to place a value on intimacy. Number five is enjoy life. There's a verse in Ecclesiastes that says, There is nothing better for a person than he should eat and drink and enjoy his toil. This also I saw is from the hand of God. For apart from him, who can eat or who can have enjoyment? There's a verse in John 10.10 also where Jesus is giving his mission statement basically. He says, the devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come to give life and life to the fullest. I believe that there's a verse in Amos chapter 5 verse 1 that says, seek me and live. And when Amos is talking to the nation of Israel, he is saying, seek me and live life 
to its fullest. Some of you are living so far in your future, you're not enjoying today. This is what you say, as soon as he's done with this, as soon as we're done with this, as soon as we get this paid off, as soon as we get that next promotion, as soon then we'll enjoy life. Enjoy life now. Listen, you might not be able to go to the beach of Hawaii, but you can go to some grass or some sand grass, sandy grass on Grand Lake. I'm serious. And just call it a beach. And just say, you know what, this, we're going to the beach. We are? Like, why no? Grand Lake, it's different, but the same. And just do what you can do. Enjoy life. Ashley and I, it's so funny, um, we're very, very frugal people. And some of you, uh, let, me, let me just give an explanation. Uh, very rarely do I buy a very nice bottle of wine. I just don't. I'm frugal. I have a brand that I like, and I'm pretty, but Ashley knows if I invest in the good bottle that we're going to celebrate or do something special or something happen. Find something small where you know, hey, we're celebrating. We're enjoying life together. Andrew, throw that next slide up because I want you to see what I did today. You guys are going to be pretty impressed. Yeah, uh-huh, 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 yeah, 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 uh-huh, uh-huh. I should get a raise. Um, here's the deal. The key to an unconditional, unconditional loving marriage is to serve each other. We serve each other by speaking life and building each other up with our words. We serve each other by enduring hardships, knowing that they're going to come, but we're going to get through them together. We're going to serve each other by reigniting the passion and dating and staying connected. We're going to serve each other by valuing intimacy. We're going to serve each other by enjoying life. In closing, when Jesus steps out of eternity and He steps into your heart and He changes your life forever, your goal is to become like Him. John 15, 13 says, Greater love has no man than this, that someone would lay down his life for his friends. 1 John 4, 16 says that God is love. John 13 says this, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. And then he goes on to quantify this. He says, By all this, by this, all men will know that you follow me, you are my disciple if you love one another. You know, some of you are inviting your friends to church and they don't want the life that you have. They ain't interested. Some of you are inviting your friends to church and they look at your marriage and they want nothing to do with that. They're like, if that's what a Jesus-filled marriage is, I don't want anything to do with that. Some of you are in relationships that are so exhausting. And this is what I'll tell you. I can dramatically change it if you will do these five things and just serve each other. Every head bowed and every eye closed. Let's pray. Thank you for listening. If you'd like to get plugged into the ministry of Audacity or support this ministry financially, you can get more information at loveservego.com.